0: All right, everybody, very happy today to have a a guest on the program, Dr. Nathan Jenkins. Thanks for being here, brother. We appreciate it. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. And uh, give everybody just a little background on who you are and what you're all about. You did earn your PhD in exercise physiology. You've been a CrossFitter since 2015. Trained your affiliate since 2018. You hold a level two CrossFit training credential. You were a professor at the University of Georgia for nine years, where you directed a research program focused on the health benefits of exercise and nutrition. And since then, left academia, joined up with RP Strength 2017, and now you're really focused on um helping people through the nutrition side of the house. Is that a pretty fair synopsis?
1: Yeah, that's that's plenty. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that's we don't have to go into
0: the whole story. But that, yeah, that's the, the gist of where I'm at these days. Well, we're going to, you know, this is going to be hopefully bringing somebody well credentialed from the land of exercise science in and chatting about what that world's all about, you know, what the strength and conditioning and CrossFit world's all about, how the two can benefit from one another, where maybe things have kind of gone too far. But before we even get into that, I'll let you know from the nutrition side of the house, since that's something that you're Mm -hmm. focusing on in the oven in my home right now is a loaf of banana bread that my uh, oh. wife <laughs> <has> <laughs> cooked up from the old bananas that were about to go uh, a bit too far on the counter. And when it comes out of the oven, whatever it is, as far as I'm concerned, it's a serving. And by the time that tomorrow morning <laughs> comes, there's a low chance that there'll be any banana bread in the short household. So I'm, I'm crushing the nutrition side of the house, just so I, you know.
1: Oh my God, that, sounds, that makes me, you know, I was thinking about that <laughs> the other, I also, um, I have a a nine-month-old son, and uh, oh, so you're busy. Start, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, But he's just starting to eat bananas, and I was looking at, um and among other, you know, soft, mushy things like that. Yeah.
0: And I was looking at
1: we had some of the bananas are starting to go a little bit bad, and I was like, oh, those are looking perfect for banana bread. Oh. So that's the second time I, I haven't <laughs> thought about banana bread in years, but the second time in three days that
0: banana it's bread. It's a sign.
1: Has, I got to. Yeah, some banana. I mean, yeah, I think you have the to. The universe do it now. Is telling me. Yeah, a, I think this weekend it's going to happen.
0: It's absolutely. a sign. It's a sign. But um, all right, sorry for the the already <laughs> okay. uh, a wrap there. But yeah, but you know, I've got a lot of scattered thoughts on where I want to go with this. My compadre was a lot more organized with his decision. <laughs> and and Vaz, you you had a good place to start, so why don't you kick it off?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks again for being here, Doctor Jenkins. You'll, you'll always be Doctor Jenkins in my heart. So, uh, <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I guess what I think is so interesting about your story is. You know, I'm curious to know, and I think it'd be valuable for the listeners to know what drew you to CrossFit in the first place, and especially in the in the face of you know so many academics, they seem to have a really polarized view of CrossFit. You know, and, and Pat and I actually just did a show. I can't remember if it's released already or if it's it's upcoming, but basically it was kind of on the controversies that seem to continue to follow CrossFit around and what what people kind of stigmatized about it. So, mm. number one, how did you get drawn into it, and number two, what what kept you here?
1: Yeah, well first will um say thank you guys once again for having me on. Um of I listen to I, I listen to your show. Um I, oh, I think right that on. was the one I um I think that was the one that uh was titled like what is CrossFit What does CrossFit do wrong or what yeah. are <laughs> yeah. all the wrong things about CrossFit? And um and yeah, man, it's uh it resonated a lot because um I was I would say I was um one of those people uh initially uh, one of those academics in particular is like very skeptical. And I think that's part of our training is to be skeptical mm-hmm. initially of a lot of things. I think it's a healthy, a healthy thing and a good thing. But,
0: um, well there's, there's a lot of fluff out there. So usually mm-hmm. skepticism will sure. be
1: your ally. It's, it's a fat, you know, this is just another fad is what I, my initial, um, knee jerk is what it was to, to cross it. When I, I first came across it when I was, I was in grad school when I, and I went to grad school from around, it was like 20, 2007 to 2011. So I was working on my PhD and I remember um, doing some experiments at that time. Uh, some people would, well, volu- there was a couple of guys who volunteered for our studies and we get a little bit of intake uh, at intake for our studies, get some, uh, they fill out questionnaires and get some background on them. And I remember it was like, it's like 2008 or so A guy said, I don't really, I don't really run. I don't really lift per se, but I do this thing called CrossFit. And I was like, <laughs> well, well, that was my. I think that was. and That may be a little late, a little early. I don't know. But that was mm-hmm. my. I guess my first. My first memory of seeing the term, and I thought it was weird. But then I do remember that guy had a. For somebody who said he doesn't do much running, had a crazy VO2 max on the treadmill. <laughs> uh, so that was. That that that's a memory that um, kind of stuck with me a little bit. But then uh, still pretty dismissive of it. Didn't really pay much attention to it. Um, but come, I'm going to fast forward. There, there's some other previous or. Uh, uh, brief uh, exposures to it along the way. But the f- next time I really like personally thought about it a lot was, um, must've been 2013 or 2014. I was teaching at U- University of Georgia by this time and I was teaching an ex Fiz class. Uh, and in the sec, there was a section towards the, in the latter half, latter third of the semester where I um, did a little segment on uh, trends and controversies in fitness and health. And uh, naturally CrossFit came up and it was, it was really student driven. Like what did the students want to talk about? And there were couples, uh, two female students who, uh, were level one, uh, coaches at a, at a local affiliate. And, um, they asked, they came up after it was the day we talked about CrossFit and I, and I set these debates up as like, Hey, here's one side, here's the other side. You got, it was really cool. The students would, I would assign them to, 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 they didn't get to pick their own side, but they had to take the okay. pro and the con and all the stuff. It was pretty cool. And, uh, we did this whole thing and tried to be pretty balanced about it. And, um, it was through that that I actually learned personally learned a lot, um, as, hmm. as, as you do when you do an exercise like that. Um, and I remember, I guess a couple things. One is, um, there was a lot that I, even though I was dismissed, like initially I was like, yeah, CrossFit, that's the thing where the guys flip the tires and climb the ropes and hurt themselves. Um, <laughs> it's <Right. laughs> a great description, <laughs> and, right? And, um, and, uh, but, but there's also, there's a lot to like, um, the emphasis on intensity over volume is something that was very very holds up very well and it's very consistent with the uh take-home messages from a lot of like really classic exercise science exercise physiology literature going back to like the 50s and 60s or even before that um there's Hmm. the the classic studies on like interval training and how that really produces uh the sort of the the, of all the variables of the of the training stimulus the intensity seems to be the one that gives you the biggest bang for the buck that's something that crossfit teaches as and it holds up in the in the scientific literature so that was cool i really like that and then the um accessibility for just the uh average gym goer to uh to these uh functional movements that i hadn't really seen before in any other fitness setting so like for example in the you know in the traditional globo gym that i grew up into in the in the late 90s you know doing bicep curls and in the squat rack in front of the mirror Mm -hmm. um that's we weren't doing I had to I'd touched a barbell thousands of times in my life but I had never done a clean or a snatch or mm-hmm. had any
3: exposure to things. So
1: um I liked those things and so and it was the after that discussion in class that day uh, students came up to me and kind of like asked I can't remember now exactly what questions they asked me but I had a really interesting discussion with those with those kids and um that kind of planned to see maybe I should just try this. I I like I had I have a uh, background in mountain bike racing from like college and I had been since that time, all through grad school and everything. I had really been missing that intensity from my life. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I think it was Boz you were talking about mountain biking on a recent episode, and uh, I think you made the, the point. It's like, hey, what do, what is the credential?
3: <laughs> the credential <necessary laughs> to be a mountain bike instructor. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Fun, fun <laughs> fact. Okay, I'm going to take a quick, quick little rabbit. I ahead. was actually a, yeah. a mountain bike, a mountain bike instructor for three months at one time. And okay. my credentials for that were simply that I like to ride bikes. That was Damn. it. <laughs> there it uh, is. was that, correct. That, yeah, 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 yeah. To, to, to close the loop on that conversation, there was no vetting. It was that I was a nice person. I don't. I, it was I was working with kids, so I think I passed a criminal background check. And I really like to ride bikes. And I, could work on, I could work on them a little bit. Um, yeah. And I you weren't a criminal,
0: and you owned a mountain mm-hmm. bike. You're hired. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And
1: I really like to ride bikes. But oh my gosh! And then I had to like, I had. It was super stressful. I had to drive. I was 21 years old driving this van full of 11 and 12 year old summer camp kids (laughs) with a bike trailer with 10 bikes on it on the back. I've never driven a, I know like through these these windy roads in North Carolina. I really, they really should have vetted me a little (laughs) bit better because I was not qualified to do that. Um, So anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, so, so, um, mountain biking, uh, I was missing that intensity in my life and I was like, you know, for a lot of reasons, I was thinking about CrossFit I contemplated it for about six months and that's kind of my test to see if, I, uh, if something's like a, a passing interest for me or something I really mm-hmm. want to do, whether it's getting, if it, if I think about it for more than three or six, three to six months, if I'm still thinking about it, then I need to just do it. So that's, oh, that's how cool. I started CrossFit. That's how I actually bought a bike again in 2018. And I got back into mm-hmm. mountain biking. That's how I spent a lot of money on a, on a grill that I grill meats on <laughs> all the time now. Um, that's just basically how I make decisions. So anyway, um, that's how I got into it. That was 2015. I said, I'm going to try CrossFit for a year. And, uh, it's completely transformed, uh, first of all, my fitness, my health, my body composition, pretty much all the, all the, all those things in about the first, really the first six to eight months, I would say is when it's like, you know, you, you know, it's raining Mm -hmm. PRs in the beginning, you're having those beginner Mm -hmm. gains and eventually it transformed literally everything in my life. Um, I met my wife there at that first gym that we were at. Um, I, now we have a we're married now for five years, have a baby, um, it completely crossed uh, infiltrated its way into my research program at the university. It was through that, that I ended up reaching out as the, how I got into the nutrition thing is a, is a longer story, but, but to get more dialed in nutrition, I, uh, became a customer of RP strength. I'm just mentioned that real quick. And then, mm-hmm. uh, reached out to uh, Nick Shaw, the CEO and became a coach with them. First became a side thing, but now that's my full time and only job. Um, so completely transformed everything for me. So. Um, wow.
3: Yeah, that's that's you're both um, feet in
1: the deep end. But yeah, like it had head uh, well, completely submerged it, well, in the deep end.
0: To, and, try to stay on track with where you're you where you want yeah. to go because I'm about to to turn the wheel for a second. That's fine. Okay, okay. Uh, because there's a there's a couple things you said Nathan that are so interesting and potentially we would have got into them later on, but I think they're they're relevant cuz you just mentioned them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how is it uh, you know I'm paraphrasing what you said that you, you heard about Cross a little bit through this group discussion, one of the things that did resonate with you and you felt was fact-based and supported by, you said, I believe decades of literature, was the mm-hmm. importance of intensity. So that seems like it was a very well-known fact. Mm-hmm. Yet no one in the world was exercising with intensity. So that's a very yeah, bizarre it is. You know, bifurcation to me that it, it was so well-known in academia for decades, yet it wasn't being applied. How in the mm-hmm. world, how in the world does that happen? And then, even you know, I'm not, I'm not calling you out, but it's an, it's an interesting mm-hmm. deal that even you yourself, working in academia, more intimately familiar mm-hmm. with the literature than most people, said that when you got mm-hmm. involved with Crosser, you kind of started because you were missing some intensity in your life. So even you knew about it, and it wasn't in your regime. Where where do you yeah. think that separation yeah. occurs?
1: It's it's a super interesting point and it's a, a, a thing that less so in the last six months as I haven't been in the university setting every day, but still um, things that, that are like, it's this juxtaposition that I just don't really understand, which is what, well, okay, let me, let me see if I can unpack it this way. Here's how I, I think it can kind of make sense is that when you look at the, um, there's different sort of silos or different schools of thought, philosophies, even within exercise physiology. There's the classic experimentalist exercise physiologist that's doing the discovery science to determine, like back in the day, it's like, let's tinker with these different variables of the training stimulus to see which one produces the greatest adaptation. Usually that adaptation, usually the exercise protocol was some sort of endurance model.
0: I was going to say, Although are they tinkering? This, mm, are they tinkering blindly or tinkering based no, upon
1: something they've observed in nature? Systematically, um, okay. with things like, uh, and I, I'm thinking of a couple of different graphs in my mind. This is so <laughs> that's like what my memory bank is. is like flashcards of different data slides uh, and stuff. But like, um, there's a, there's several studies of this. But the classic depiction is okay. Let's have uh, different study subjects train harder but uh, you know increase the intensity but have the volume stay low um or increase the um the volume but reduce the intensity such that overall work output is the same um so matching Mm -hmm. for total energy expenditure
3: Mm -hmm.
1: um and uh, usually the outcome in these variable in the outcome variable in these studies is vo2 max or um maybe some sort of endurance performance metric and usually the modality is running or cycling or something that's easy to control in a lab setting um so that's that's one kind of thing to keep in mind with all of this is that the literature is very for lack of a better term biased towards the endurance modality because it's okay. kind of easy it's easy to control. We don't sure. know a lot we don't know a lot about how this applies to different movements and different uh implements and that sort of thing. That's where crossfit kind of broke a lot of molds. Um yeah. but but okay so um again the it's been worked out that the the basically the higher the intensity the in theory and 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 in, not just in theory but uh in, empirically observed it's been shown that the higher the intensity the basically the more the adaptation it's pretty much dose dependent uh that the, hmm. the greater the intensity the greater the adaptation um now that's and so so it's the the the, the folks who did, did those experiments and by the way that holds up at the whole body level like the cellular mitochondrial level all of that it's been, been very well documented some really elegant studies um, all the way from like cellular kind of, you know, rodent model studies to whole body human studies. It's really robust. Uh, no one in the, that has any understanding of this literature would really argue with that. However, the public health application side of the exercise science, exercise physiology field mm-hmm. takes a different approach. And also this is where a little bit of the psychology gets into it too. And mm-hmm. I'd have to think about who I'd recommend to have you guys talk to about this because I, I don't really live in that world. It's not, not, not anymore, especially, but it, sure. I didn't really dabble, but like this whole phenomenon of exercise adherence, adherence to a, yep. a, a training program is traditionally written as abysmal.
3: Mm, right, um, so that's, right, that's, right.
1: that's part one. And part two is like there's this in just public health or, or health research in general. I don't know if we borrowed this from the medical community with like pharmacolo- pharmacology and stuff, but there's this idea of the minimum effective dose. And so the 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 a big thrust of the public health oriented research to like try to get people to move more and and become healthier is like what's the least we can tell them to do so that they just do something.
2: I believe that that makes sense to me. It does. Uh, Go ahead, I'd love to offer like a lay person's observation in there too which is i really think that somewhere along the line there became this hard line between athlete and everybody else yep and in many cases i think you know people will look at this accepted um observed phenomena, that intensity mm-hmm. does seem to drive results, but that's for athletes and athletes are yeah. the ones that can partake in that. And they're the, they're the population that will, you know, of course do that, but everybody else, and that's not going to work for them for various reasons. Like you said, that, yeah. you know, much softer it's adherence. Yeah. Oh, it's you know something that's too hard for them. They're mm-hmm. not going to be accustomed to this kind of training. Ergo, it doesn't apply that. That seems right. to be what I've You're seen. Ex- it,
1: You're exactly right. You're exactly right. That is the thing. Like if in the conversations I would have was, uh, you know, former colleagues and stuff. That's exactly right. The, oh, those studies were done in athletes. Well, a lot of them were, and a lot of the stuff was, you know, I can think of some that were done actually like at the Olympic training center and stuff, mm-hmm. but a lot of them were done in, uh I guess we would call it like the master's population, but just, mm. you know, o- older, but healthy individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my PhD advisor during his postdoc was running studies of, you know, in the, what they called it at the time, the geriatric unit. I don't think that's the term that they use anymore <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> at, at washington washington university of st louis and he was absolutely uh running these folks these older guys and ladies through the ringer uh doing uh, one really cool study was uh five minutes of maximum effort it, it basically five minutes of work at vo2 max i believe the rest periods were i'd have to go back and look is it somewhere two to five minutes Call it Oof. a one to one work to rest ratio. Do that for five times. That was the training Oof. protocol. And then it's every disgusting. week or two, throughout yeah. every week or two throughout the study, they would retest the VO two max so that they could continue to increase the uh, absolute <laughs> work output as they got fitter. And essentially, there was a linear increase in the VO two max throughout this. Uh, I want to say it was a eight or ten week study, um, oh. up to the point where they their VO two their VO twos were. These are just uh, previously sedentary folks. Mm -hmm. VO twos were at the level of considered to be like athletic or at least recreationally trained athletes. Um, Wow! So it was phenomenal. The the funny thing is
0: that it works, mm -hmm. but like you're saying, well, those those people had the compliance of somebody standing there staring at them with a clipboard on the bike. You're going to be here next week, and and I bet if it it was an eight week study, on week nine, they didn't do that on their own.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to me that That's uh, that's true. The the split that seems to happen between this idea of athlete versus everybody else, which thankfully I, I believe CrossFit's done a lot to erode that, right? Like we treat everybody like, hey man, you may you may not be a uh, person who's competitive or looking to do this full time or whatever, but at the same time mm-hmm. we're all gonna be athletes in the yep. sense that we're pursuing something that is goal driven and, you know, results based, et cetera. But it seems like there's this weird disconnect. It's like, okay, it's accepted that this is going to mm-hmm. work for athletes, but somehow there's a different physiology present for the average person, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, how does that work? It doesn't, it, Yeah, I don't know, man. Strange. Yeah, To me, so,
1: I, and maybe it's because I've worked, uh, you know, in the lab setting with all the, the full spectrum, but yeah. it, it, you can really appreciate how, yeah, there's huge differences, obviously. Like the, you get a, you work with a lead sure. athlete, you appreciate that there's a, like there's sort of the specimen. And it's amazing. Yep. But at the same time, you work with the older, you know, the the chronic disease population, and you can see the similar. We're all just people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same physiology. It's the same fundamental physiology. We have the same, you know, same
0: basic needs. Um, well, and it's it's and- funny too because with low intensity versus high mm-hmm. intensity, and the higher you get with intensity, that's you know distinctly, or I should say, quite related to discomfort. It takes mm-hmm. a unique individual to go out and voluntarily exp- expose themselves to high levels of discomfort on a regular mm-hmm. basis, which is why. Crossfitters are a good kind of crazy, and, <laughs> and, the, and the community aspect helps through mm-hmm. a, a positive form of peer pressure to increase compliance and whatnot, because you know, mm-hmm. taking the same activity running, but let's see, if you take one with a low intensity, you have much mm-hmm. higher compliance. Hey, who wants to go? Now, I know Crossfitters hate running, so maybe this is a terrible example. Hey, who mm-hmm. wants to go for a 30-minute jog? You're going to get plenty of hands go up. Hey, who wants to go to the track for some 400-meter repeats? no eight, hands eight go up and, hunters, it, yeah, and if yeah, you yeah. go do a 30 minute jog nobody asks you any crazy questions you're running mm-hmm. if you are at the track doing a six 400 meter repeats somebody will go hey what are you training for what are you mm-hmm. what are you it doing a, yeah, yeah well you must yeah. be an athlete like, yeah. why are you why are you doing this crazy thing it's like well because intensity is mm-hmm. a, a really good
2: thing well it's a really good me, thing let me steer things just a little bit on the opposite end so sure i think it's really cool that you know intensity seems to be something that's pretty accepted even if it's not up until very recently been kind of injected into the mainstream culture um Mm -hmm. at least it's well documented that like that's a good thing and you know we talk Mm -hmm. about this at the level one a lot how there's kind of three fundamental pieces to what makes up crossfit there's functional movements, there's intensity, and then there's variance. Mm -hmm. And most people that I've encountered, yeah, from an academic background, they like, you talk to them about intensity, they're like, okay, I get it. You talk to them about functional movements, and you explain the utility of that, and they're like, yep, makes a lot of sense to me. And then you get to the part about variance, and that's where you start to see the hands go up, and they start backing away slowly, because they can't quite mm-hmm. wrap their head around the breadth mm-hmm. that CrossFit intentionally is after. So, mm-hmm. how did you overcome that? And what was it that, about variance that either A, you were a little bit skeptical about mm-hmm. it first, and B, kind of, you know, you later kind of warmed up to? How, how did yeah. you overcome that hurdle of, of accepting variance as a, a viable form
1: of training? Oh, I think it, I think it all, training? I think variance or the degree of variance uh, ranging from quite a lot like CrossFit. In in fact, it seems like you guys, I would defer to you guys for this, but my interpretation is almost like the more, the better. Although of course, not, not to the point of being random. It's not the name of this podcast, right? You don't want to be random. Right, right. that's right. But but even, (laughs) even within, even within, like you have really, really, really wide, um, constraints for how much you change stuff. And Pat, I really actually appreciated your, uh, it was both you guys, but I um the the two part discussion on programming oh, how good, you good. how you introduce uh variance and 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 how that is a key component in there um i i think it depends on the goals the goal of the of the program um and so for crossfit it's a gpp program the general that's the, the variance in programming produces a generalized adaptation um and if that's what you're after then then that's what you want for where there's a rub uh, with the academic community. And, and this is how we're trained. This is our, 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 uh, I can think of a few different, uh, examples like in textbooks from a, even anything from a basic ex fiz textbook to more, uh, focused textbooks on like you take a programming class and sorry, my cat likes to hang out with me. And if every time I do a podcast, there's a Zoom call. um, <laughs> she's, she's, she's po- poking her face into the screen. She likes the cat. Uh, she does. She, she's pretty shy. Whenever we have people over, but whenever it's something about the computer, um, <laughs> But uh, like so, for example, we're we're I've had interesting conversations with this. Even some of my colleagues uh, with RP who are uh, come from like a uh, bodybuilding and or powerlifting, like basically a strength sport background. Mm-hmm. A lot of like l- linear periodization. Periodization is in the name <laughs> of the company that I consult for. Um, where there's not actually for for there's variance, but it's on a much more discrete kind of scale. Um, mm-hmm. You know, usually, and I do this for clients. I write like a three month. If their goal is muscle hypertrophy. Then we write up a classic bodybuilding style program like, uh, you know, uh, uh, with progressive overload and you're not really varying the movements from week to week necessarily, but you're increasing loads or maybe reps or maybe some combination thereof. Um, but that's for a very specific goal and that's mm-hmm. to specifically mm-hmm. to grow muscles. Um, and th- then you're reducing the variance on purpose. You're reducing the, um, the generalized adaptive potent- potential for that program. And that's, and we see that, you know, the, I think basically, uh, I think the application is getting, we're getting into more like a sport performance focus. Um, I think we see that to, uh, to a large degree and uh, athletes in our sport with the top games athletes, they'll take a break. If you know, you got somebody who's maybe weaker on the strength side, but really strong in the, uh, monostructural elements, they'll purposely take a break from the, the running and the cycling and the rowing, um, and increase the weight on the barbells and and do a squat cycle and a deadlift cycle or something, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, how do I get, how do I get around that? I think so, so applying that to like my, my bread and butter, my interest is really in the general population and moving the needle on, on, um, uh, fitness is what defines it and health, uh, the, you know, fitness over the, over the lifespan. Um, and I think it, I'm convinced uh, the more you know some of it was being just being a student of of crossfit which is what i consider myself now um you know a student of the discipline and through experience yeah like we don't necessarily need to be super meticulous in how we uh, uh dice slice and dice things in you know each week i'm always going to do deadlifts on monday you know I'm, maybe i don't do heavy deadlifts but once a month or something like that uh mm-hmm. or or whatever like i think i i've, I've just you know just through Experience and the results that it's uh, that I've seen it achieve for the for, again for the general population, uh, I think variance
0: is I think it's awesome. So do you do you think the variance component with regards to your um, academic peers and whatnot was such a potential point of contention? Because please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like historically speaking, you know maybe not in the last decade since functional movements and high intensity are so much so -hmm. much more en vogue than they used to be in variants as well but but historically speaking things in the laboratory due to the due to the the setting that you had available there were certain things which were easier to measure than others hence why i think a lot of like you said people would lean towards endurance sports lean towards vo2 max lean towards things like that and Mm -hmm. so if you were measuring something by its very nature there wasn't going to be a high degree of variance because you couldn't measure every single solitary thing under the mm-hmm. sun it just it wouldn't mm-hmm. work and so you had yep. the lifter that was looking for volume size of muscles you had the runner this measures you mm-hmm. two max and if you had somebody mm-hmm. else you're like hey we got a new experiment coming in hey what are we going to measure everything you're like what everything? how are we <laughs> going to <Yeah>. do that <laughs> that's not <laughs> even uh, a it's not no, it, possible b uh-huh. get, you know get out of here Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, not just measure, but also experimentally manipulate and control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the that is the most difficult thing about research. Is and and the, I think the reason for um, the rub in these conversations that you guys may have had with academics in the past. You gotta understand we are we are uh, trained to to think that variance is is, is a bad thing in the sen- not just for, like with training, but just in general like with the way we think and operate. Variance is the thing that you want to eliminate and reduce from your experiment. Like that's statistically, like that's, mm-hmm. if you look at a statistics textbook, right. you're trying yeah. to, to minimize variance that's, that's attributed to error and maximize the variance that you can explain with your experiment. So the way to, to mess that up and put it on set is to just have things kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, try, try to change a bunch of things at one time and see what happens, which, right, sure. you know, in, in the real world, there's no problem. In fact, that's a, that's a, that the, the gym uh With all the implements and tools, and um and a wide open floor space, and lots of people in there, and a knowledgeable coach, you're actually free to tinker with things. And I don't want to say less controlled, but it, but it is it, it, compared to like a university laboratory setting.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's okay if you like a day, like if you do an ex, an experiment, like a workout. I mean, you guys talk about it all the time. Once in a while, you program a, a workout that you messed up on.
0: Oh, sure, mm-hmm. not
1: not a big deal. But you learn from it, and you iterate, and you move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, iteration happens in the university setting with these experiments the way we do them but it's on a time scale that's like archaic it's it's just yeah. it, it takes eons but necessarily forward.
2: necessarily because of so, the controls that you're trying to establish right I think right?
1: so but in the in the specific context of fitness and moving the, the 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 world of fitness forward and this is where I had my biggest disconnect with like what there's many reasons why I'm not a university professor anymore but we're touching on one of those it, it became very very difficult to do my job as a researcher um mm. because the field in the real world is moving so much faster than we can ever hope to keep up with at the university level. Um, it takes from, from conception of the idea to publishing the paper for any experiment, if you're going fast, if you were busting your ass to try to get this done, like somebody's usually it's a, a doctoral student who's got their PhD, you know, deadline on the line to, to mm-hmm. get, in, to get done and get out the door, you're talking about a year. And that's to like wow. understand the impact of like one kind of variable one like variable that, that's a, that's a, so just for an example we did an experiment looking like there was a crossfit and in heavily informed influence study the impact of a, a single tabata workout it was uh, four different tabatas um just quickly rowing uh dumbbell thrusters kettlebell swings and burpees we put the burpees at the end but the <laughs> rowing at the beginning is <laughs> put the rowing at the beginning is a trap and it was awesome mm-hmm. yeah anyway um and then had the um the participants come in the next day, gave them a high fat meal and looked at their ability to burn fat in that high fat meal. Um, and spoiler alert, it was improved after the CrossFit that, that, that Metcon. Um, it was like a 12 hour, eight, 14 hour delay between the workout and that, that meal, um, that had been shown for other types of exercise, but never with a high intensity functional training type, you know, CrossFit style workout. Um, and there's other, so other forms of exercise like traditional, like, uh, stationary bike riding that took like an hour hour and 20 minutes of sub maximal boring you know moderate int- low mm-hmm. to moderate intensity cycling to produce the same effect on the processing of that meal the next day okay so anyway yeah. I just threw that threw that at you as as know there's a lot of information taken in but the takeaway is that that was an idea that we had back when I probably last saw you guys I know boss you were there at the, the 2019 I think it was the trainer summit Mm-hmm. Um, I presented some very preliminary data from that study back then. Well, we just published that paper. I want to say it was, it was either late 2021 or early 2022 that it actually went out in the literature. So wow. it's, it's yeah. and a pandemic happened and slowed us down during that time. However, that, but I, I think we were done data with data collection before that. So like mm-hmm. anyway, it, th- that's just one study. And I, th- I think about how much you learn just in the, in real life in the gym as a, as, mm-hmm. a,
0: as a,
3: with, you know,
1: if you're a gym owner, you're your coach, you're you're tinkering with things all the time. Oh my gosh, you it's just you have you, a real progress. life
0: laboratory in front of you every yeah, single you do. solitary and day. Progress,
1: and that's why. So, what I think we're getting at is why the industry has just. You look at the the difference between mainstream everyday fitness, everyday working out. Now, CrossFit's not a weird thing anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, right? But. But our research, and as like that, that research that I was doing was just bizarre. It did, my colleagues didn't understand it. The IRB, the well, ethics committee didn't understand
0: it. So, you, um, you wrote something really interesting as I was doing digging in this morning. Uh, you wrote an article for the journal that got published back in 2018. Mm-hmm. And the title is What Exercise Science Can Learn from CrossFit. And I certainly recommend everybody goes back and reads that. I found it very informative. And one of the interesting things is you, kick off the article where i believe you're teaching a master's level course to your students and it's not too long ago you know it's not too it's in the recent past Mm -hmm. and you've asked them that you know the classic thing to define fitness and they think it's a Mm -hmm. little bit of a joke it winds up taking the whole class because nobody has a definition of what of what fitness is and i think that's very telling and, and interesting in, in my opinion and maybe related to some of the the disconnects between academia mm-hmm. and what happens in the real world and the and the gym because you know you get the sci- correct me if I'm wrong here, you get the the scientists doing their very best to do, to do good work, curious mm-hmm. individuals, sharp mm-hmm. individuals trying to figure out why a certain thing occurs, right mm-hmm. And then we either validate it or disprove it or we get to the bottom of it. But sometimes the question has to be asked, okay, but but why does that matter and why are you measuring it in the first place? And so mm-hmm. if, if the goal would be to improve fitness, but nobody has actually has a working definition of fitness, well, then you've identified something, but we don't even know if it drives forward the entire mission of, of the academic study because we don't even know what fitness is. And so mm-hmm. now what are we going to do with this piece of the data? And, and that relates in my mind back to how much, and and maybe duly so, I don't know, how much weight was given uh, to VO2 max, the gold standard, always what you heard all the time. Mm -hmm. And that may or may not improve somebody's ability in the real world to accomplish a task faster than somebody else. But if it improved VO2 max, it was deemed as this is the path. And I remember, Mm -hmm. I remember it's, it's probably been about 10 years now, doing a level one seminar at a, Special Operations Unit that shall remain nameless and they had a huge budget <laughs> and took all the blood work from their operators and they're they great people and it, you know trying to do good work and you know Greg Glassman, God bless him, he's sharp-tongued and yeah. you know, <laughs> they they've got this stuff and they, he shows them all the stuff and they like he tells them all, of the, the scientists tell them about all the, the VO2 max we have on all these operators and Greg just says, great, what are you going to do with that data? And they're like, well, I don't know, but we have it and he was like, what are we doing here? You know, like, like what's the point? Like, you know, you know, and the point should be improving your work capacity across broad-time right. modal domains. And, uh, and it was right. very interesting reading your article from 2018 that mm-hmm. even in the recent future, there wasn't yeah. a good measurable definition of fitness. And so maybe that is another um, yeah. challenge of the two worlds coming together from academia and then out in the, you know, I hate to say the real world, but, but out, in, out okay. in the real world. It's very yeah. Well yeah, I mean there's it's definitely a huge
1: difference between academia and the real world. Um and then the other the other I think major uh I love that story by the way about Greg and I've heard various iterations <laughs> similar.
3: Um
1: <laughs> uh, yeah.
3: I cleaned um, it up. I
1: clean I cleaned I up think, the language <laughs> that was used. I think when I visited HQ a while ago, I think you told me the uh, the real version. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> this is this is a family friendly podcast yeah. Um no, uh, yeah. The, yeah, man, it, it's getting, I'd like to think it's getting better. And, and I can only speak based on my anecdotal experience, uh, through colleagues that I would work with. And it's, it's not like everybody. And I actually had, I had fantastic colleagues at UGA. Sure. And they were, they were like, they raised an eyebrow at the stuff that I did, um, uh, that, that our subjects, our research subjects were doing in our experiments. But they were interested and in, wanted to, genuinely wanted to learn more about it, but they hmm. had never, its more like I've never seen this before you know like <laughs> uh mm-hmm. but generally there's st- there's still this preoccupation um with the v o two max and that that is kind of synonymous with you think, and, and a lot of times you when know, I would ask those kids um in in that in that little thought experiment that would take a, an entire class period most of the time um you know v o two max would come up one hundred percent it's like i feel like I don't know what the definitions, but I feel like v o two max has got to be in there somewhere you know in right, some right. Many words. um that's still around, man. That's still, that's still, nice. I would argue that that's still very much like part of, you know, it, because here's the thing. The original version of those textbooks that they're using now were written in the seventies. The, 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 they were now in edition. Like, you know how college textbooks are? Like they just kind of revamp with new editions every couple of years. Well, now we're on like the 12th or 13th edition of mm. the textbook that I use. I, I, when I started in 2012 or 2013, I taught from the fifth or sixth edition. And I just use that at the same time because, like, you look at the update and it's like, well, they updated the graphics and the food, but there's nothing new.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, guys, just get it, get an old version. I don't care what version you get, just get it off Amazon for cheap. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but now I think they're on like the ninth or 12th or some kind of like crazy number. And, like, the things a lot most of it hasn't really changed.
2: Yeah. Um, so, well, let me, let me ask you this around, uh, you know, where I think it's kind of interesting how people's, interpretation of research, uh, matters and where it doesn't matter. You know, like I, I think that a lot of people get kind of sunk into this idea that I'm going to uncover some nugget and it's going to be the, uh, missing link that makes me a super athlete. I think that's where most people's hopes and dreams kind of fall when it comes to an academic approach to, you know, doing things by the book, so to speak, and mm-hmm. I think that that's such a subpopulation that it almost doesn't matter. It's like, fine, you have some guy who's like really invested in the gym and he wants to read all this stuff to get an edge, cool. That's not that big of a deal in my opinion. Where I think there's a lot more kind of weirdness is how we start to get to this place where public policy is informed by, quote unquote, the science. And not mm-hmm. to get you know too far off that rails, you said this is kind of a, a, an area of your expertise and interest, but you know, how how do we get to a state where, you know in the united states the the recommendations for daily exercise for the, the average individual are just so abysmally low and mediocre like how i guess what i'm trying to say is that's where yeah. i see the real failing is when you have some it, of these isolated things that translate into real recommendations for people that end up not mm-hmm. really serving them
1: yeah for for me the disconnect is um where okay so I want to, I think I want to try to say the important thing first. I think hmm. what I've learned over the last few years, largely through CrossFit is, and, but also lots of other areas of life. And I see this a lot in the strength world too. So let me be clear. I have a lot of colleagues that I respect a lot who are primarily um, like, like is like I said, strength, sports oriented, power lifters, even bodybuilders, the focus on, and you guys talked about this the other day, I think, in, in one of your episodes, Um doing hard things, right? Is, what it, it's kind of like that key element to adherence. And this is getting into the psych- psychological stuff. Um, that, and that's the, that's the nice thing, a really awesome thing uh, about the cross that, that focus on intensity, that discomfort.
3: And mm-hmm. I think
1: there's a really significant thing about the shared experience with other people that promotes the adherence to the program. Um, again, we see that in, in, in any, I think let's, let's keep it focused to like fitness and athletic endeavors. I think it applies to lots of stuff. That's really the, in my opinion, just my, just some guy, but that's my, um, the main element for if you want to, you know, move the needle on your health and fitness for the long term, do something that makes you uncomfortable for roughly an hour every day. And that's, you know, that's a big, that's not all of it. That's a big piece of it right there. So. That, that's what I've learned, just kind of anecdotally, let's call it real world evidence science. That's, that's my working conclusion. Where I think the public health aspect that you're asking about, Boz, is just, it's just completely not even considering that as part of the, the, the calculus and its recommendations. It's the, the, and it's, it's a logic. It's just, but it's just a different logic. The logic is we have a general population that is by and large completely sedentary and doing nothing. So let's just get them to start. And to get them to start, we don't we don't want to scare them off and overwhelm them with something that's going to completely obliterate them, for example, a CrossFit class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the message is just do something and here's the minimum effective dose and it comes up. The, the recommendations are 30 minutes a day, five days a week of a moderate intensity uh, physical activity. And that can, that's def- that can be defined as something as simple as going for a walk for half an hour a day, walk your dog and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't disagree with the science. Don't get me wrong. Um, and it, it's very clear that the, there's probably certainly hundreds of thousands, if not millions of research subjects who have participated in studies that produce just enormous quantities of data to support those recommendations. I don't disagree with it, but it's clearly not working because the, the number of people who remain sedentary or, or who are sedentary is, 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 if anything, it's increasing chronic disease isn't, unless it checked, isn't getting any better, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. at the population level. Um, and so, uh, I, I, it's like, one, it's, it's a, it's a weird, um, uh, tension that I have. I agree with the recommendation. Don't, I, I 100% understand the science, but I think there's this, uh, there's this huge piece missing, which is the, I think you guys touched on at the very beginning, the psychological aspect. Um, yeah. and it's what is it that, okay, that's a nice recommendation, but, uh, that's not really on an individual level, which is what we really need to be, I think, focusing on changing the, the health and fitness and behaviors and decisions of individuals. Um, and that, I think that's going to be that that's a much more challenging message than the public health, that that the public health people that I've interacted with and, and the documents I've read and just being scientific meetings, no one, if you, if you were to suggest, Hey, look, you know, yeah, the 30 minutes a day at a moderate intensity is, is, um, that's nice, but what about two minutes a day at first of like maximum effort or, or close to it, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: No one's no one's gonna recommend that.
3: Like because well <laughs> what, what,
1: what about cardiovascular events and people be concerned about that? Sure. it turns out they're actually yeah. rare. Anyway, you know, and it, it's just, right. Oh, it's gonna, that's gonna hurt, It's gonna make me uncomfortable, they're not gonna ever gonna do it again. I don't know, man. I think it, and well, last thing before I stop rambling, is there is some cool um And I can can kind of look into this for you guys and maybe from there get some recommendations for who you might talk to. Um, There's some cool data showing uh, looking at like enjoyment of physical activity. And um, like if you look back on a a session, like did you like that or would you do it again? And it seems like intensity is a major uh, piece of that research. Basically, the higher intensity, the more it sucks during it, the more like kind of fondly you... You remember it and, and higher <laughs> like rating of enjoyment. that, you, that you, Yeah, there's some there's some actual you know studies on that, looking at sure. like differences between interval protocols versus continuous endurance type protocols. Um, yeah, there's a group out of uh maybe
0: Gancuse you have a Canada. sense of actual accomplishment because you did something challenging. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's I think there's a lot to it, man. Yeah, it's the I, I think it would I think it would bear out if, like there are anecdotal experiences of like yeah that was yeah that sucked, but let me do it again tomorrow morning. See at 6:30 a.m.
2: You know. Yeah. Um, Well, if we, if we kind of extrapolated a few things here, um, you know, I think it would be useful for the listeners to, to just have it spelled out like a contrast between these underlying basic recommendations, which I I understand there's no disagreement there. Like that's a great place to start. Sure. I don't think there's any disagreement. Um, uh, but let's, let's take away the psychological element. Let's take away the compliance aspect. Let's pretend that we have just a human organism who will do the thing, the recommendation, Mm -hmm. um, what's just kind of a down and dirty compare and contrast between this kind of baseline 30 minutes a day, five days a week kind of recommendation versus something that's even slightly more varied, like on a physiological level, what is the benefit to broadening that recommendation even slightly?
3: Uh,
1: first thing that comes to mind is in one scenario, the the uh, follow the mainstream advice, which by the way, is what I did all through grad school. And and my postdoc in the first part of the first couple of years of my, uh, faculty position. So I can speak to this from experience. You hit a plateau real fast, like two weeks, you hit your plateau and then you just hang, hang out there. Um, at best, you're kind of treading water on your health and fitness. And if, like me, you don't pay any attention to your nutrition. And, um, you live off of, I don't know, banana bread. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, uh, that's <laughs> a, so that's a recipe for, uh, you know, bad things that happen to, you know, body composition and, and health, say, quality, uh, blood markers and everything are going to go downhill. Um, which again, the other thing about this is that those guidelines, they don't take in, they don't, they don't actually don't even mention nutrition at all. Mm. Um, there's another set of guidelines for those and they are also they have their own, uh,
3: pitfalls. Sure. probably different discussion. Different, different discussion. <laughs> yes. Um,
1: yeah. So, so, um, so, in that scenario, like, yeah, if you're just following the, that's that, and that to me, I think is another reason for the lack of adherence at the population level is that, you, you know, people need to mm. see results. Um, sure. They need to see, you know, it, it's, Yeah, if you're, it,
2: if you're capping out at two weeks, it's kind of like, okay, what's the point? Like, very yeah, quickly, I mean, I may, you reach yeah, maybe, the point of like, all right, it's not motivating anymore. Because maybe in
1: somebody severely deconditioned, you're looking at four to six weeks of improved, like mm-hmm. feeling better and like I'm not getting as winded sure. when I carry in my groceries and that stuff. But it, 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 you hit a pretty, it's a pretty, um you know pretty low ceiling uh for the mm-hmm. for, yeah, adaptive potential whereas if you just vary it a little bit which I think if you're understanding if I'm understanding your question right boss if you just do something add in for example do the do those that bare minimum um I don't know add in a kettlebell swing or something And it was, if you take a break sure. every you know like this or pick up go to the end of the driveway and pick up that heavy uh boulder or whatever uh, I'm bolder to the your driveway. I don't. I'm not thinking of good examples. good examples, but I think you understand. Introduce some variance, yeah. and you're going to see a, new, a novel stimulus, and therefore, new adaptation. Just avoid um, that plateau. Yeah, yeah. So you hit that, and that's you know, with with constant variance, really. uh Yeah, I, I don't know what you guys think. There's the different way of plateauing. I think, I think people can plateau mm-hmm. in CrossFit after I've kind of experienced a little bit of that myself after eight years. Sure. Um, sure. Not really, not really hitting a lot of major PRs in in mm-hmm. CrossFit, but, um, you know, you can do different things, how, how you approach each workout and and maybe tinker with some things, load up the barbell a little bit. Uh, if, yep. if you, if you're if you're feeling a little bit afraid of the weight that
0: day yeah and uh, there's, we, and, we touched on that anyway. actually in a recent episode is because there's mm-hmm. one of the wonderful things about variance is there's so many darn things we're trying to get good at that we could probably find something that you haven't messed around with yet like i don't know if you have a press to handstand if you don't have a press to handstand mm-hmm. there's a whole new thing that has a yeah. lifetime of prs ahead yeah. of you start yeah you know, playing with that a little bit and so it's uh it can be you know, it could be a very long runway. I'm not saying infinite, but but vastly yeah. longer than many other protocols. That's for darn sure.
1: Eight, eight years in, I've got plenty to work on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You and, me, keep, you, you and me
0: both. It'll,
1: it'll
2: keep Nos, me busy for yeah. a million years. I was gonna say I'm pretty much set. I don't have much to work <laughs> on these days. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you, you're good. That's <laughs> it. yeah. <laughs> you can reti-
1: you can retire, boss. Yeah. On
2: on that note, unfortunately, gentlemen, I've got to leave you here. I've got a a hard out this afternoon. But um, thank you so much, Nathan, for joining us. And I can't wait to uh, hear the rest of the conversation.
1: Thanks, boss. Good to see you, man. Take it easy, man.
0: I've got a a couple more things for you that I think you're just wonderfully suited to to chat about. And I'm glad you enjoyed that previous podcast that was the two-part about programming workouts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because... You know, a large part of there's so many variables in programming workouts that you want to intelligently plan for, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe when you're a novice programmer, you're stumbling through them. Then you start to the fog starts to dissipate a little bit, and you see what drives what. And then as you get more uh, seasoned, you get a lot better at you know predicting the outcome and and going exactly where you want to go. And you mentioned the benefit of interval training. You know, we talk about the metabolic pathways and there can be this divergence potentially from academia and and maybe some of the stuff that Greg used to put out where which was very grounded in science. But um, I don't know if the right way to say it is maybe more of a a realistic approach. And and I don't know if I'm wording that properly. So here's mm-hmm. here's what I'm interested in is is sometimes, you know, I'm a programming nerd. I'll see other I'll see people want to program for specific metabolic pathway development. Mm. It's like today I am only going to be in the glycolytic pathway at the exclusion of all others. And then it's the phosphocreatine period, end of story and nothing else. And I'm going to work these three metabolic pathways and that's going to drive my fitness forward. And well, Greg would say, you know, that's one of our, supporting models of Mm -hmm. of adaptation and fitness but what if later on down the road they develop or find a fourth you know i think there was that brooks pathway you know a while ago or whatnot yeah or fifth or sixth who cares it's like well instead of being so focused on that if you intentionally and by design Mm -hmm. go from very short to medium to long and you make sure that you're covering those bases you're going to get that breath and adaptation that you should because also the other side of the house is, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. the body's almost never operating in just one metabolic pathway. Like there's an interplay and one might be the dominant one, sure. but you're going to be going back and forth. So where do you see specifically with, you know, I guess blending knowledge, far more knowledge mm-hmm. than I have, that's what i sure of, of exercise science and interplay of metabolic pathways. And mm-hmm. then, um, the thoughts of a programmer's head where do you and see those blind two worlds program. having having a nice um you know symbiotic yeah, th- relationship
1: in short the way i think of it and uh, understand it, it's just a, it's just a nice framework for understanding time domains um i think that's the main like application for the coach and the programmer mm-hmm. uh you can approximate the, t- the various time domains as being you know being roughly equivalent to the different pathways
3: mm-hmm. you
1: know 30 seconds or less, you're really, you're pretty purely the phosphogen pathway, you know, uh, I'm just going to go off the cuff here. This is, even this isn't super clean, but 30 minutes to two minutes, you're predominantly uh, glycolytic. 30 seconds to two minutes. What did I say? Yeah, 30 30 seconds to two minutes. Um, And then as you get closer to three and then beyond, you're getting more aerobic. But even that isn't perfect because... Mm -hmm. Then you got to think about like, okay, so let's just start with very simply for, um, single modality exercise. That model holds up, but as soon as you start introducing like a, you put a couplet in, and it's, right. all and it's all different. Right. <laughs> then you're doing a bunch of everything. Uh, and, is, and it depends on is are the, if the, the, the two movements in a couplet, are they, um, are they is complementary to each other in the sense of the,
0: Is there interference? Right. So, uh, <laughs>
3: yeah and then it's, it's
0: it's all it can also mm-hmm. can be interesting right correct my thought process if, if mm-hmm. i'm wrong is you might have one uh, one modality like just weightlifting, but mm-hmm. most people because they're not cyborg robots it's not continuous movement so for example mm-hmm. the workout like right. dt deadlifts mm-hmm. hang power cleans and shoulder overhead if you ran a stopwatch mm-hmm. on somebody that did one round smooth and unbroken let's say it takes mm-hmm. ballpark a minute so if you were yeah. an Android that's a 5 minute workout, but it's not a 5 minute workout. Nope. It's going to take most people like 10 minutes let's say. So yeah. even though it's one modality, there's almost a 1 to 1 work to rest ratio built into that workout if you look at how often the athlete's working and how often they uh-huh. have their hands on their hips sucking oh, wind yeah. going again. And so where's the pa- you like it's it's a very it's a yeah, very yeah. blurry field.
1: You're um you're bringing me terrible flashbacks because once in a while my <laughs> I like that. Work, I love that workout, but then it's a whole different it's a whole different flavor. If you do, do programming as DT intervals, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to let go of the bar. Because um, I like to do the thing where you you pick it up, you drop it on the 11th rep, and then you pick it up on the 12th as your first. But if you absolutely, do it, it, it is, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, there was a workout where we were doing it as intervals, and I got that. And this doesn't happen to me very often anymore. We used to have all the time, but you get that like, you know, when you've gone too hard and you kind of get a panic. Uh, yes, sir. It's, it sets in. That that is one of the. It's happened probably once or twice since then. But that was definitely one of the more significant. You know, I made a mistake. I have. I have. <laughs> is that moment I knew. I yes, up. exactly. <laughs> um, probably the third of five rounds of that second or even. Um. Anyway, yeah, it completely. Um. There. So, I I think um t- painting with broad brushstrokes. This whole concept, the model of the energy systems, works very well for time domains. But then, if you think about it more. It, it, it because it, it like you're saying it doesn't necessarily hold up perfectly when um you think about s- specific like time under tension or or actually time doing the movement mm-hmm. um it, it's, it ends up being i think cross honestly ends up being a whole lot of glycolytic work sure um yeah. that that uh that you just kind of you're repeatedly executing on and then recovering from and then and, and so since there's overall continuous movement the way i think of it is that the the oxidative system the the, the aerobic base is like that's where the kind of you get you see some people who are able to transition well and basically continuously move from one move to the other so for example in the dt workout that i was describing
2: mm-hmm. somebody has got
1: say equal glycolytic potential as me but has a better has a better aerobic capacity than me they're not panicking at the same point that i did because right. you know they've got they've got they've, they've got that kind of like um the, the, does, the, the, system, the, the sort of is idling it, in the background. If you will. yeah,
0: I say, is the oxidator's role in something like that to, or a more developed oxidative mm-hmm. system, shall we say, helps um, provide fuel a little quicker than somebody who is is less developed, and therefore they can get on the bar, get on the bar a little faster. Essentially, than...
1: and then also recover from the glycolytic the, the bursts, uh, gotcha. you know, to to clear out all the all the 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 angry painful stuff. Mm-hmm. um the, there's a more rapid recovery uh in the in the aerobically trained state
2: uh, gotcha. from okay.
1: hard intervals like that uh, at the at the muscular level yeah so that's why you know the you know i'm I personally right now i'm working on a lot of the uh doing a lot of time spending a lot of time on the concept two bike i'm mm-hmm. uh, doing a lot of running lot, it's interval work uh because i want to cover the basis of all the the uh you know the energy systems but you know, I think if you think of the work, the work capacity curve, yep. you know, I think that model works perfectly. The The area of that curve is largely determined by the aerobic uh, system. Shift that up, you know, let's let's, let's, uh, let's raise it up, you know, um, elevate it through, uh, training that, that, uh, that aerobic system. But it turns out though, you can't just do aerobic work to do that. In, and uh, sure. the, actually, the best, the best way to do it, I, in my opinion, is kind of repeated glycolytic insults, if you will, to the, to the muscle and to the cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's the, you know, you got to sort of exceed the capacity of the aerobic system to stimulate it to adapt. And that's,
0: that just means you're doing glycolytic work. So, And the wonderful thing about yeah, man, so many CrossFit workouts being largely glycolytic is there is that wonderful transference you know, mm-hmm. to both sides of the fence from that. I mean, it is, I guess if you had mm-hmm. to buy somewhere, it's a great place to buy us. You shouldn't obviously neglect bias. the others. But, you know, if you said you got to pick one of the three, it's like, well, I'm going to get a lot of bang for my buck out of mm-hmm. that particular one. But I, I love your I love your mention there about uh, long work, for example, aerobic work, oxidative work, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, myself and when I program for my community and whatnot, we don't we don't fear going running. Running we don't fear going long. Um, people hate me for it, but you know, and oh, not right. at the exclusion of everything else. But but realizing that 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 training modality deserves the respect of the others, and and putting it in at the appropriate frequency and volume is wonderfully beneficial to all the others now if we do too much of it yes we can blunt the other ones we're not looking to do that we're looking to to do it appropriately and gain that benefit because there is so much useful area under that curve that you just said and it's such a sadly in my opinion neglected aspect these days in too many programs where everybody just wants to lift heavy do a short little burner workout and go home and Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong that's infinitely better than what the typical american no. is doing you are yeah a beast compared to the yeah. average now if you're looking yeah. to maximize what you could have your fitness potential be i would say you're leaving a lot of money on the table by not mm-hmm. by not dipping your toe into those those longer mm-hmm. days just just kind of my two cents but you obviously total... there's there's science to say that that makes some there, rational sense
1: there is there is man but we're also getting into that space where you know, you're not going to find a lot of studies. There's getting to be more and more studies on that have used cross methodology,
3: mm-hmm. um,
1: but they're usually focused on like a very specific question. We're, I don't. Right, I would right. say there's a lot. There's not a lot
0: that's delving into the to the elements that we're talking about. Well, um, that 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 relates to another great Glassman story, which is, you know, if if you're running your gym, let's say, and you've got your 100 people or 200 people under your care, and you've had them mm-hmm. however long, and you're programming in the way that you program and maybe it blends with academia or doesn't beats me Mm -hmm. but you're measuring everyone's points and everyone's Mm -hmm. moving in the right direction and then you're doing it right and greg used to tell the story of the old salty coach on like some athletic field with his whistle around his neck and he's been making beasts for 10 years right and doing his own thing this crazy protocol and then (laughs) Somebody from academia comes up with a clipboard and goes, hey, good news. We just proved what you're doing works. And he's like, <laughs> That's um, exactly how it why works. did I need you to tell me that? I've been seeing it with my own eyes for a decade here. You yeah, know, I've got so, all these like, trophies on my wall, <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So Thanks. It's, a, it's an interesting deal. But, but there was a yeah. lot of, you know, I was around during the... Um, the going to war times and the level one seminars where the, the the trainers and and sometimes people in the audience would just butt heads. It's, it didn't have to be that way, but it, it was every now and then. Right. You know, now that we're all more mature, and those <laughs> days are uh, are behind us, and we're more, history. Yeah, we're much more. You know, friends. I think a very fair question is, what, in your opinion, mm-hmm. what is it that maybe. The larger strength and conditioning world or CrossFit in general is is missing the boat on from an exercise science standpoint. You know, there's there are some things you saw in CrossFit that you looked at your peers and you're like, man, we're really missing the boat on these th- items, and, and these guys seem to be doing it well. What's the other side of that coin that maybe you look at how people are working out and you're like, oh, if you would just do A, B, C or D, um, you'd be better for yeah. it, but you're not.
1: You know, Pat, I think it's something we haven't even talked about yet. This what's the mainstream academia is missing?
3: Movement quality, okay. uh, virtue, virtuosity, and movement. Man, I think, um, and it's
1: I, definitely not my expertise. I didn't learn that at the university, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but uh, that is something I found that the more, first of all, personally, the more I work on my movement, you know, virtuosity and movement, um dropping the weight and to do it well, it's, it has it, lots of good things happen. Immense sort of ripple effects occur mm-hmm. from that. Um, and, uh, but, but that's just not really, that's not even part of the conversations at the academic level um, at, at, on a large scale. But it, you know, the, in fact, when it comes to, uh, it comes to aerobic work, which is the the kind of the S the core element of the uh, academic mainstream recommendations, the 30 minutes a day, you know, this is actually, I'd say a good thing. The emphasis is on walking and running, you know, Mm -hmm. minimal to no equipment or, you know, use something like a, go for a bike ride, do something uh, like a stationary apparatus in the gym, like uh, stationary bike, treadmill or uh, elliptical, you know, low skill, remove the skill from the equation. Um, Same kind of thing for strength training. If you look at the recommendations, it's used basically hit all the muscle groups, but do it with isolation movements in a traditional global style gym. That's what the recommended exercises are for the two days of strength training that they recommend. Um, You don't see much, if anything, about squatting. There's still an argument about how deep to squat and all that stuff. Um, Deadlifting is uh, off the table, for depending on who you ask not obviously not in the academic strength and conditioning there's different remember there's different groups of extra science right i want right. to be really clear about this i've got colleagues who i respect immensely and who are do, really doing a lot we've learned so much more about muscle growth and how it relates to time under tension and stuff in the last we're making great advances in that area um but we're talking about like the general population mainstream recommendations you know this whole concept of like moving well and improving um, you know movement patterns you see a little bit of that in the, in like the, uh, research on older adults, kind
3: of, um,
1: like some, there's some functional training kind of, uh, what they call it, you know, help people getting up and down out of chairs better. Sure. So that's, that's great. Uh, but the, the way, you know, you walk into a CrossFit gym and the coach will Mm -hmm. sort of rebuild your movements from the ground up
3: Mm -hmm. and,
1: and have you, hold the bottom of that squat or whatever the bottom is for you and then try to get it a little bit lower with squat therapy Mm -hmm. man that is just that's that's super transformative and how to get that into the i don't know how you really do a study about that the way we traditionally do studies i don't really care i don't
0: need to right Um, i mean it could be regaining functional range of motion you know and things of that nature but but do you see anything looking the opposite way like do you see mm-hmm. anything that we as crossfitters are missing the boat on ah, that academia oh, that was, is like okay you know hey you guys should be doing this and we're just not listening because mm. you know that's always anything which helps make okay. us smarter and better is yeah. certainly welcome yeah. with no it, ego it, at all
1: if that was your original question and i just misunderstood it then i apologize but i like, all good, I like all good. okay um
3: okay so if we're crossfitters missing the boat on from
0: an academic standpoint, uh. You were king for a day.
3: Mm. I don't. Don't get me wrong. I don't think. I don't think. Um, any. I don't think anything's perfect. So as much as I, I, me neither. But
1: uh, yeah. So CrossFit is, and that's one of the cool things I like about the, the company and the, the the community in general. Everyone's always trying to get better. Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure that, from an academic standpoint, I would necessarily po- say that there's
0: something that you know they're missing the boat on um don't be afraid don't maybe don't neglect that oxidative pathway a little bit
1: (laughs) yeah okay that's that's a good one and we talked about it i think that's a good one i think and i'll i'll share this um i I was thinking about as you were talking about it you know uh, i I, i'm influenced not just by my background in uh academia and all that stuff and and my experience through crossfit but i also i happen to be married to a marathon runner
0: who's also oh no kidding okay
1: yeah Mostly, and, 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 uh, my wife and my mother-in-law just com- completed a marathon this past weekend. Um, they do one or two of these a year, and I just let them have that most of the time. Like, I don't, m- most i ever run is 10k. However, I will say this, when, um, there have been times when I've kind of run a little bit with my wife, it's been a while. Uh, but it was, especially when we were dating, cause I wanted to get in, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a little time together and stuff that had immense benefit on my, uh, cross, and I was one of those. cross. So I started off a skeptical CrossFit before I got into it. And then once I got into CrossFit, I was one of those CrossFitters that said running is terrible. I'm never going to run again. And then through her, I got it. I did a little bit more running and blown the whole immense ripple effect on my fitness. You, um, amen to that. And, and so like the more I, it's not so much the more I do, but the, if there's ever a time when I feel like my aerobic capacity is lacking, I'm feeling like a little, I'm just shuffling on those 400 meter runs in a Metcon. It's like, you know what? I've been neglecting this component. And mm-hmm. so every time I work, like I said, I'm working on it now. There's lots of reasons I'm working on it now, but that's, you know, it's, it's, that it's having no, no surprises. It's, it's
0: just not popular. That's it's It's, it's just effective, not yeah. It's yeah. just not popular. I mean, if you've got a seven by one deadlift day at the gym, the parking lot's going to be full. Good luck finding Absolutely. a spot. If you right. announce that tomorrow is a 5K run, mm-hmm. th- the attendance is going to be markedly different. It's yeah, just you, people love to avoid it, but they do it at their peril. It's it's uh-huh. it's profoundly beneficial. Yeah, at, at our at our gym in particular, if you program some combination of a
1: like a complex Olympic lift, like a snatch, and and a run together. Yeah, get the prim- primo parking spot right there in the front.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, uh, it's funny. It's it's one of those things again, and not to you know, you could be an entirely different um, podcast. But
3: mm-hmm.
0: now, yes, the word theoretical is in here. But you know, Greg came up with what he believed was the theoretical hierarchy of the development of an athlete. It was mm-hmm. a pyramid shaped deal with sport at the top, mm-hmm. but the base of the pyramid was metabolic conditioning. It was the base of the pyramid, you know, like well, your body's right, right ability up, to process oxygen. We got to get, we yeah. have to get that straightened out before we start doing anything. Yeah. And that seems to be what everybody wants to neglect is the base of the pyramid. It's like, well, I don't think right. that's going to work out too well. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think that's something
1: that the, yeah, the community, the, it seems like we have the same observation, man. The the community is, and, and I think that's the everyday gym goer for sure, but also a lot of coaches and programmers kind of uh i think once in a while what happens is people say oh murph is coming up we need to do some more a little bit more longer stuff
0: right right
1: why don't we just do that kind of all the time i mean not like you said i I think i like how you put i've listened to a lot of your stuff pat and and i I follow your work um live your life in triplets and couplets go heavy about once a week am i getting it right and then don't be afraid to go long every now and then go long every now and then go long right and i think that's that's a great recipe personally you know i think that's. That's a good one. So I, yeah, that's I something that people that are we'll, missing out on.
0: Well, hopefully we can motivate people to, uh, it's probably a good thing to close on here. Uh, sure. hopefully we can motivate people to go out and stretch their legs a little bit on a run. So yeah. I just, first and foremost, you know, maybe we can have you on again in the future, but thank you. Thank oh. you. Thank you for sharing your time, your knowledge, and your expertise to hopefully benefit all the viewers and listeners. Absolutely. Pat. I really
1: appreciate it. Give my best to boss. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll be yeah. happy to come on and chop it up with you guys anytime uh i love talking about this stuff um it's kind of it's the world i, I live in and, and again as a student of the methodology um i learn a lot uh from you and from your work and so
0: um, I, well, I, I
1: learned I've, a lot today as well so i appreciate it i
0: appreciate it sir and if somebody wants to where can they find you on social media or you know where, where do you want to what do you want to mm-hmm. throw out
1: uh the easiest way to contact me is um Through Instagram, uh, find me there, connect with me there. uh, It it should be easy to remember, just drj.rp on Instagram.
0: Dr. R. P. Okay, perfect. Yep. Well, much appreciated. And as I say, at the end of all these shows, if you want to help support the show, check out the show notes, Um, check out the VNR cycles. Boz and I are pretty proud of them. Think you guys will enjoy them. We got stuff for body weight, dumbbell, get your first strict pull up, and just hopefully things that you will find additive and beneficial to your fitness journey. So once again, for everyone watching or listening, we appreciate it. Find this episode on the BTWB YouTube channel, post your thoughts in the comments, and you know we read them. They help generate ideas for future shows and content. So we wanna hear from you. For Adrian Bosman, for Dr. Jenkins, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.